I'm Adam Coleman, inviting you to the fifth season of The Cosmic Library from LitHub. This season, we go on our tiniest reading adventure yet, into short stories in the U.S. But this too turns out to be almost all-encompassing. I think short stories are essentially brief encounters with felt life. That's Oxford literary scholar Andrew Kahn, who gives us a deep history of the short story. And we hear from The New Yorker's Deborah Treisman, who explains her work as an editor of short fiction. You know, if you are melding with another person, you don't turn that person into you, but you get to know the ins and outs of that person. So, and it's, it's sort of like that. I always feel involved with the stories. We bounce around between the history and current life of short stories with the novelist Justin Taylor. The nice thing about it going out of fashion is that it really frees you up to relate to it in a different way. This being the Cosmic Library, we make sure to go way beyond U.S. short stories, too. Here's the Washington Post critic, Becca Rothfeld. A lot of Kafka short stories, I think, gesture at or describe um, sort of nightmarish geographies or architectures. And the actor Max Gordon Moore reminds us just how wild short stories can be. With a reading in its entirety of Wakefield, the intensely strange, classic Nathaniel Hawthorne story. He had contrived, or rather he had happened, to dissever himself from the world, to vanish. Get ready for all that and more in a season about short stories, small windows into vast universes. It's season five of The Cosmic Library, available soon wherever you go for podcasts. This is The Literary Life. I'm Mitchell Kaplan. I've owned books and books and been a bookseller for over 35 years. What you're about to hear are conversations about all things literary, with writers, readers, publishers, old friends, new friends, and anyone who might wander into our store with an interesting story to tell about their connection to books, reading, or writing. These will be informal, over-the-backyard-fence kind of conversations, the kind I and booksellers everywhere have each and every day. Welcome to The Literary Life, everyone. Um, this is an episode that I look forward to all year because I get to talk to three people that I work with all year, three of the smartest book people I know. And on this, on this edition of The Literary Life, what we're going to do is make some holiday suggestions since the holidays are right around the corner. Um, with me on this uh, edition is Christina Nosti. Christina is our events and marketing coordinator here at Books and Books. I also uh, have with me Christina Russell. Christina Russell is the buyer of children's and young adult books, as well as someone who helps uh, arrange for young adult um, and children events, uh, which are now all virtual at Books and Books. And Gael Lalimer. Gael is our uh, overall buyer who buys adults and does most of the restocks for all of the stores as well. So these are people who are constantly reading all year and have their finger and pulse on what people are buying. And we might even come up with some surprises as well. I'm going to start with Christina Nasti. But before we do that, I want to ask Christina a few questions so, the, um, so all of you listeners out there will get some idea of Christina's background, which I know is varied. Christina started with us as a bookseller when she was still in college and then took a very long break um, uh, delving into the arts. Christina, uh, welcome this morning. Uh, it's great to have you. Uh, how, did you how did you take this road from uh, being a young college student to where you are now as our events and marketing coordinator? Wow, wow. Well, hi, Mitchell. Thank you um, for having me. Um, it's always good to speak with you. Um, I really don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like, I feel like Books and Books has been a part of my life for so very long. You know, almost like I've been dancing around it my whole life, in a way. You know, um, I was, I'm from Miami. I, I, I grew up in Coral Gables. Um, I used to shop there as a kid. Um, I remember when, you know, I, I left briefly to actually go and work in Los Angeles at Columbia Pictures. And actually, I came back to Miami and 
because of my father's death. And I remember walking into the bookstore and you're saying, well, you know, what are you doing? Uh, why don't you come and work with me? And so I did. And that was my first stint at Books and Books when Books and Books was on the corner of Aragon before you had even, you know, before we were where we are now. And then you took a little break, I remember. You said, I'm going, and you began to run a museum at some point along that track, right? I did, I did. I mean, I was uh, the director of the Cuban Museum of Arts and Culture. That was a very interesting episode because of course that museum was bombed at one time because they were showing works by artists that were still living in Cuba and that was a very controversial thing to do in Miami. And then you came back. And then I came back um, and it was, it was just a wonderful, you know, homecoming. I came back into the position I now hold um, and have held throughout, I guess, I don't know, coming on what, like 20 years maybe even? I'm not sure. I've lost track. We don't remind each other of those <laughs> things around here. But basically, uh, it, it's, it's fascinating that there's always been like room to learn and to grow. And even though I've been doing the same position, the bookstore has not stayed the same. So there's always been like a new challenge, something new to learn. I mean, it's really, I'm very lucky that I became, that I, that I, you know, stumbled upon this job, which is not just book selling, but also programming, you know, interdisciplinary programming of sorts in the world of culture and the arts too. And during this pandemic, we've had to make a straight line up into a whole nother world, the virtual world. And yes. uh, I want to thank you for doing such a great job at it. I think, I think we calculated that we've done about 125 virtual events since the pandemic hit, since nobody is traveling anymore. So uh, if you want to find out what we're doing, you go to booksandbooks.com. We even have a virtual archive now uh, of all the different events that we've done virtually on our homepage. So Christina, tell us, what do you suggest this holiday? What are you buying for your friends and family and loved ones? Or what do you suggest other people buy? Sure. Okay. Well, there are two um, short story collections that I'm kind of in love with and that I keep recommending to people. And I think uh, those, I would love to find those under my Christmas tree. Um, so one is Nicole Krause's To Be a Man. Um, it's a revelation. Um, it's a book. It's her a dazzling collection of short fiction. You know, she's a National Book Award finalist, uh, the New York Times bestselling author of The History of Love. And this is, um, you know, short stories that explore what it means to be in a couple, to be a man, to be a woman. Um, but basically, they're set, they move across the globe from Switzerland, Japan, New York City, Tel Aviv, Los Angeles, South America. And it's an ideal introduction um, for readers new to her work, uh, notably fans of Ann Patchett, uh, Rachel Cusk, Elena Ferrante, Zadie Smith, or Jar George Saunders. Um, I think it will really enthrall the people that you know engage with it. It's really just something very unusual, very rich, and fantastic. So I highly recommend To Be a Man, Stories by Nicole Kraus. Um, the other collection is Cleanness by Garth Greenwell, and that's published by Farrar strauss Giroux. And really, I, I think of it as a book for all of your gay friends, uh, but also for any friends who like sex scenes in books. And I have to explain that. Um, like Garth told the New York Times that with Cleanness, he aimed to write something that was 100% pornographic and 100% high art. Um, and that's what he's done. And the easiest way, I guess, to describe his writing is to listen to other writers uh, when they talk about him. Um, this is Chris Avani. He says that Garth Greenville writes with remarkable power, vulnerability, and an operatic beauty. Such is the compelling journey of the characters of this book that we come to a new understanding of the body, loneliness, risk, desire, and even anguish, but also a tenderness 
a hard-won grace that can and does transform. Um, <clears throat> Lisa Tadeo says, cleanness is stunning, provocatively revelatory, revelatory, and atmospherically profound. Here is love and sex as art, as pulse, as truth. So those That's are two. Those are two really good ones. We want to repeat the titles again. Sure. Uh, Cleanness by Garth Greenwell and To Be a Man by Nicole Krauss. Wonderful. Next, we, next up is um, uh, another Christina. We at Books and Books have about 700 Christinas who work for us. Um, <laughs> so this is Christina Russell. Christina Russell... Um, uh, has been with Books and Books a few years, and um, she is in charge of a, of a lot of different sections of the bookstore uh, in terms of buying, which includes children's, YA, romance, and uh, she is just a fabulous reader who weighs in and can bring in, you know, whatever her taste, wherever her taste leads her. Uh, Christina Russell, welcome to Literary Life. It's great to, great to have you. Um, and I know that you grew up in Miami, I believe. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Books You're a native Miami. Childhood bookstore. And you, and you then left and you went to Texas for a while. Yeah. In Texas for a couple of years in the middle of my 20s. And I worked at Book, book People, I think you're getting to. Yeah, she worked yeah. at another wonderful bookstore in Austin called Book People. Yes. Um, Christina, how, how did, um, what were some of the highlights of the road that brought you to books and books as well? Um, I mean, I have always loved bookstores and books and reading. Like, I, there was not a time in my life that I can remember not being obsessed with those three things. But, um, I never really thought of being a bookseller as something I could do. I don't know why, it just didn't occur to me um, until I was in Texas and I got pregnant and I had a baby and uh, my priorities changed. And I realized if I was gonna spend time out of my house, I wanted to do it with something that I really loved. And I became a bookseller at Book People. And um, yeah, <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I ended up in bookselling. And then um, moving back to Miami, I was, thought it was a total long shot to email you and Christina Nosti and ask you guys if you had any openings. I figured probably not, and here I am. Yeah, and it took about a minute for us to hire you, right? It was like, <laughs> okay, you're hired. Um, so t t I know that there's a lot of challenges in your life right now because of the pandemic, having two young kids. Uh, every time we speak to Christina, she um, she's also having to school her kids. A lot of her, your kids are learning remotely. Is that correct? Yes. I'm home with them all day, every day. <laughs> she says with a bit of resignation. <laughs> in her voice. Um, so tell us, what what books have you selected to start off with? So I'm going to start with two picture books. Um, the first is Nasla's Dream by Cecile Rumiguer, um, illustrated by Simone Ray. It's, it's a new favorite for me, and that's partly because it's really beautiful, but it's also because my daughter loves it. We've read it like a hundred times. It's one of her favorite books of the year for sure. Um, the artwork is uh, really surreal. It's sort of like Leonora Carrington-esque. That's how I've been describing it. It's, it's dreamy and it's striking. Um, it's really high contrast, and um, it's also just like a silly bedtime story, um, and you always kind of need more of those when you have kids around. So this book really stood out for me this year. And then um, another one I wanted to talk about is Digging for Words. Uh, I realize I didn't mention the publishers here, um, but Nasla Dream, Nasla's Dream is uh, Lawrence King, I believe, and then and Digging for Words by Angela Burke Kunkel is illustrated by Paulo Escobar and it's a Random House Kids um, book. And this is a nonfiction picture book. I, I love the story because it's just like a tiny little piece of really not well-known history. 
Um, it's about a Colombian man named Jose Alberto Gutierrez. Uh, he was a garbage collector in the city of Bogota. And one day he found a book. Uh, it was actually a copy of Anna Karenina. And he took it home and it prompted him to start looking more carefully at the garbage he was collecting and picking out books. And from these discarded books, he built a library in his home. Uh, and there weren't a lot of resources like this for kids in his neighborhood. So he, he opened a library with books he had found in the garbage. And um, it's a, I love the illustrations. It's illustrated by a person, Paula Escobar, who's from Bogota. And I really felt like you could see the city and her illustrations of the city at night. Um, it's beautiful. It's a really nice story. Those are my two first picks. Will, will you do me a favor? Will you put aside a copy of that for me? It sounds sure. so wonderful. It's you know, my so kids, wonderful. My kids are grown, and one of the great pleasures that I always had was reading to them uh, when they were little. And, you know, one of the most important things about a book that you can get for someone that you want uh, them to read to their kids is it has to be something that they would be able to feel comfortable and not get bored with after reading it a hundred times, right? It's, yeah. it's gotta be as, it's gotta be as good for you as it is for the kids, actually. I always found Eric Carle to be good along those lines. Mm -hmm. No matter how many times I re read, um, uh, Papa, please get, get the moon for me or Papa, please get me the moon. I never got tired reading it. And, uh, I can tell that, you love these books for your kids yeah. as well. I do have a correction. Nasla's Dream is Princeton Architect Architectural Press. I, oh, I don't they wanna, do. I don't yeah. have that wrong. And, and I understand how beautiful it must be because they do some beautiful, beautiful books as well. Um, thank you. Gael is our overall buyer. She buys for all the stores that we have. And she also does most of the restock. Gael's history is varied. Um, I, I work very closely with everybody on this call. And um, I've learned so much about each one of them. And Gael's uh, path to books and books uh, started out in France, I believe. Is that right? I'm wrong. But it has something to do with France. Um, so my parents are French and I am French and I didn't speak English until about, I would say the second grade, but I was born in New York. Um, but my, uh, path to bookselling, uh, I think is much like most people's kind of happens, you know, by happenstance, you know, it, we kind of fall into it. Um, but my, uh, I worked with Toshin, um, before working with books and books. Um, but then uh, I was at a bit of a fork in the road and I walked into the uh, books and books on Lincoln Road uh, and asked for a part-time job bookselling about six or seven years ago. And um, I, it was kind of a shot in the dark, really didn't think anybody would pay attention to me. And you know, a week later I was there. So um, I think, that's a lot of people's story with book selling. Like nobody imagines it's a job you can really have, um, but it's a wonderful job. <laughs> we believe in the blink notion of hiring. So we immediately size you up and uh, we can tell whether you're going to be with us for the next 30 years. So <laughs> that's what happened, Gael. Um, Gael, did you study literature in college? What, what no, I went to NYU and I studied art history. Um, uh, so, and I was always interested in the arts and that's, and after that I worked at the Museum of Modern Art and then that kind of led me to Toshin. And then I, I had a little bit of a switch in my head and I, you know, I kind of, I wouldn't say regret, but I kind of wish I'd studied English instead. But then I don't know if this would have led me down this path. So whatever I did, I did, the right thing. <laughs> well, and in many ways, your education at a bookstore and what, you know, the, 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 the incredible breadth of your reading, um, uh, it's kind of a self-taught English degree. As someone who's an English major, um, I think if I had spent four years working in a bookstore uh, and maybe doing something else, I would have, I would have benefited from, uh, from that as well. Um, so what are you recommending 
this so, uh, holiday um, season? I'm trying to recommend some books that are maybe a little bit under the radar. Uh, and these are all books that I would be thrilled to receive myself. Um, but the first one um, I want to talk about is um, Fathoms by Rebecca Giggs. And the title is actually Fathoms, The World in a Whale. Um, and what this really is, is a blend of natural history, philosophy, and science to explore what our relationship to whales reveals about ourselves. And it's fascinating a look at whales, how they communicate, um, there, it's filled with amazing, amazing facts about whales, one of which kind of blew my mind how one whale can absorb as much carbon as 1,000 trees. So when you think about the amount of whaling we've done, I mean, that's kind of, you know, one of the solutions to climate change. Let's, let's help the whales. Um, and also it looks at, most importantly, how whales have adapted ecologically in the face of human interference and technology. And Giggs writes about nature in a way that is both scientific and very literary. I would say this is for readers of Helen MacDonald, Rebecca Solnit, anyone interested in the natural world and our place in it. It's, um, it's poetic, it's haunting, it will change the way you see the world. That's wonderful. Thank you, Gail. Um... Give us the title again. Of the it's two Fathoms, uh -huh. The World in a Whale by Rebecca Giggs, and it's published by Simon & Schuster. You know, it reminds me a little bit of um, the power of whales and, and, and how they can very much, we study whales and learn more about ourselves. It reminds me of the Darcy Stanky book that came out this year, Flesh Count Diary, mm -hmm. which was about um, uh, viewing... Um, sort of menopause uh, by looking at whales and other kinds of uh, cultural uh, touch points. So yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, um, two books that I'm going to recommend um, that are, are probably not below the radar, but I feel it incumbent upon me to let people in Miami who are listening to this know about two books that, or three books that are Miami-based that I think uh, anyone on your list, if you're living here, would be interested in. And then if you're not from Miami and you have at all uh, an interest in photography, mystery, or history, um, you will like these books as well. And um, the first one is Year of Dangerous Days. It's by Nicholas Griffin. And it tells the story of Miami in 1980. In 1980 was a very pivotal year for Miami. It was the year when the Mario uh, Boatlift uh, occurred and Miami um, experienced an influx of uh, hundreds of thousands of, of Cuban, uh, Cubans who were able to leave the island. Uh, it was also the year of the McDuffie riots. Um, uh, Arthur McDuffie was brutally murdered by Miami policemen. And uh, it's told about that this book explores that. And it was also the beginnings of um, when the federal government and others began to see the rise of the cocaine traffic in Miami. This all happened in one year, and it was an election year. It kind of reminds us a little bit of what have this year, 2020, right? Where there was so much going on and it was an election year as well. Nick has done a marvelous job in telling that story. And as a Miamian who lived through it, although much younger, <laughs> um, I learned things myself that I didn't know. So that's Year of Dangerous Days by Nicholas Griffin. There's also uh, a wonderful new collection of uh, stories that Les Standiford put together by Akashic Books, and it's, um, it's Miami Noir 2. Um, Les um, edited the first Miami Noir, and this is part of a series that Akashic does uh, for cities around the world, cities and countries around the world. It's, a, it's their noir series where they are anthologies, wonderful anthologies of... Um, of, of mystery stories and dark stories. 
Um, in this, in this Miami Noir, we call it Miami Noir too, but Les and the publisher are calling it Miami Noir, the classics. And one of those reasons is you find some amazing, amazing writers in here. Believe it or not, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, uh, who you never thought of as a mystery writer, but her mystery story is in here. Damon Runyon, story from him, uh, Zora Neale Hurston, Edna Buchanan, Charlie Williford, the great Charlie Williford as well. So this is something that I would recommend for someone on your list. And then lastly, a book in, along the Miami theme, a book that's close to my heart since I grew up on South Beach as well. It's a book by Gary Monroe, marvelous photographer, who, uh, whose new book is called The Last Resort, Jewish South Beach, 1977 to 1986. And this is all the work in black and white. Gary works in black and white of Gary Monroe. And you might, the name Last Resort might be familiar to you because uh, there was a wonderful documentary with the same name um, called The Last Resort, which was the work of and the story of Gary Monroe and Andy Sweet. So those are three that I would recommend. Um, let's go back to Christina Nasti. Uh, Christina, what uh, what else do you have on your list? So this is a book for any of any feminist, the activist, the budding writer in your life, and it's someone that I never tire of recommending, uh, and that I really adore, Rebecca Solnit. Um, I love putting her books in people's hands, <clears throat> especially people who have never read her work before. Um, her writings on feminism, community, politics, Trump, the environment um, have become indispensable commentary for our times, um, especially for a younger generation of women. Um, her, this book is her memoir. It's called Recollections of My Non-Existence, and it describes her formation as a writer and as a feminist in 1980s San Francisco. Um, but beyond being a memoir, it's also a passionate argument that women are, are not just impacted by personal experience, but by membership in a society where violence against women pervades. Um, she looks back to describe how she recognized that her own experiences of harassment and menace were inseparable from the problem, the systemic problem of who has a voice, or rather who is heard and respected and who is silenced. Uh, a very beautiful, deep read. Um, I highly, highly recommend it as a gift. And then for, um, for nature lovers, um, a beautiful book called World of Wonders in Praise of Fireflies, Whale Sharks, and Other Astonishments. And this is by the poet Amy Nezukumatatil. Um, it's published by Milkweed Editions, and it's a collection of essays about the natural world um, and how it teaches and supports and inspires us. Um, Amy has a Filipina mother and an Indian father. She talks, she just, you know, these, they're beautiful. There's like interior art by the illustrator Fumi Nakamura. Um, so it's just like, it's a gorgeous gift book. Uh, her debut nonfiction book, and I think it's really, it's filled with some lovely, lovely um, inspiration for anyone who loves the world of wonders. Thank you, Christina. Um, Christina Russell, what, what else do you have on your list? Um, I have on my list also um, a beautiful book that is from Lawrence King. It's uh, Mythopedia an Encyclopedia of Mythical Beasts and Their Magical Tales by Good Wives and Warriors. Um, it's a really great gift for curious kids who are interested in mythology or history or monsters, um, kind of combines all of those things. It's got stories in it from all over the globe um, and it's really stunning to look at. It has a gilded cover and full color um, paintings on every single page. Um, and I myself have, ha have had a lot of fun reading it over the last few weeks, just sort of like one or two pages at a time with my daughter. Um, so I think it's the kind of book that could be a gift for parents and kids. 
That's great. Gael? Um, another one I'd like to uh, suggest as a gift is actually one of my favorite books of the year, and I might actually say one of my favorite books ever, is The Bear by Andrew Krivak, uh, published by Bellevue Literary Press. And this is a novel, a slim novel, that takes place in a distant future in which a father and daughter are Earth's last inhabitants. Um, the daughter suddenly finds herself alone and far from home, and the natural world intervenes to help her find her way. And this is just a really beautiful and exquisitely written um, tale of all living things existing in a beautiful balance. Uh, you can also say it's a bit of a parable or a fable for our times in which, you know, asking us to take a look at the world around us before it's too late. Um, and I have to say, it also has one of the most perfect endings of any book I've ever read. Great, thank you. Uh, there are two collections of poetry that um, I've taken home from the bookshop and uh, can't wait to, uh, to dig into. One is a collection that was um, put together by uh, Joy Harjo, Poet Laureate, and it's uh, When the Light of the World Was Subdued, Our Songs Came Through, Native Poetry Gathered, um, and it was gathered by Joy Harjo. A wonderful, wonderful anthology. The other anthology that I want to talk about is the one by Kevin Young, which is African-American poetry, 250 years of struggle and song. This was put together by the Library of America. Um, for anyone on your list who enjoys poetry, those are two collections that I would highly recommend. Um, Christina Russell, I also want to, you know what I noticed, I was in the store the other day, and I'm also seeing what's being bought online. And talk a little bit about the pull of the books, particularly um, Brad, uh, Brad Meltzer's I Am series. Talk a little bit about that series, if you can. Sure. Um, so that's a series of nonfiction biographies uh, by Brad Meltzer and Chris Eliopoulos. Um, they've, I think there's 20 now. There's a lot of them. The most recent I is 20, I, I think it's almost 24 now, I believe. Yeah, that could be. Um, but the most recent are I am Anne Frank and I am Benjamin Franklin. Um, they are really fun. Um, they're funny. Uh, they're really and sort of like vibrant to look at. Kids really love them. They make great gifts. Um, books and Books always has signed copies. Um, we're big fans of them. And what would what else would you recommend? What else would I recommend? Yeah. Um, I'd also like to recommend another local author, um, Chantal Acevedo's newest book for kids is Mu Squad: The Cassandra Curse. It's uh, from Harper Kids, and it's a perfect gift for middle grade readers who like things like the Percy Jackson series or even Harry Potter. Um, any of the new Rick Riordan presents titles like the Arusha books. It's girl powered, action packed, uh, an adventure novel, and it's got a Cuban American protagonist. Um, that and it's set in Miami, and it's packed with um, like Greek mythology references. So it's really great. We're really fortunate here in Miami to have such a vibrant writing community and so many authors who are writing in the young adult vein as well, um, mm -hmm. would you say? Yes. Um, I mean, our, some of my favorites are the sister duo, my, Micah Malit and Maritza Malit, who have, their paperback just came out last week of Dear Haiti, Love Elaine, sorry, Dear Elaine, yes, Dear Haiti, Love Elaine, that was correct. Um, and they have a new book coming out in January that you can pre-order signed from us now. Uh, it's called One of the Good Ones, and it's great. Thank you. Um, Christina Nasti, another title from you. Okay, well, here's a book for people who are looking to learn a little bit about philosophy and to feel like they're traveling, even though we actually can't travel. And that's Eric Weiner's The Socrates Express, published by Avid Reader Press. Um, he's the best-selling author of The Geography of Bliss. He basically embarks on a, on a journey following in the footsteps of history's greatest thinkers and shows us 
um, you know, the spiritual lessons for today's times. Um, it's, it's a really fun read from Rousseau to Nietzsche, Confucius. Um, he travels in, to Athens, Delhi, Wyoming, Coney Island. Um, so, you know, all aboard the Socrates Express. I love that book as well. That was really great. And Eric, Eric is not a Miamian, but I remember in the early days when we opened our new location, Eric would sit in the cafe. I was asked him, he was the NPR correspondent. I said, what are you doing? And he was writing a book and it was his very first book, Geography of Bliss. And I always like to think that he found a little bliss in our cafe to be able to write that at the time. Um, a couple of quick books that I'll recommend that I really enjoyed this year on the uh, fiction side. One of my favorite books of the year, uh, it just swept me away, was Deacon King Kong by James McBride. You know, he, he, James is an amazing um, musician. He, uh, he's a jazz musician. And the novel is a bit jazz-like. Uh, it tells the story uh, of this um, marvelous um, uh, community in, uh, in Red Hook. And uh, there's a hard-drinking church deacon uh, who, who has this sudden and inexplicable act of violence. And it kind of goes from there. All kinds of madcap characters are brought in. It's a, a really marvelous, marvelous book that I would recommend. Anybody uh, who likes, you know, good fiction would like this. Um, it, it, it's, it's very different, but it reminds me a little of what Carl Hyacin has done for Florida in Squeeze Me, uh, which is his new book as well. <clears throat> Another book that I really, really found moving this year was Homeland Elegies by Ayed uh, Akhtar. Um, it's, it's, about, it's about belonging. It's about the dream of belonging, particularly about being a Muslim after 9-11. And he plays with narrative structure and... Um, uh, Ayad himself is a character in this novel. Um, it's one that I think you will find uh, really wonderful. And it's one, you know, that's also, uh, for those of you who listen to the podcast, I had a, a wonderful conversation with him as well as with James on, on the literary life. And, and the other novel I would mention is His Only Wife by uh, Peace Adzo uh, uh, Medier. And uh, Peace is... Uh, a Ghanaian, and this is the story of a Ghanaian seamstress. Um, and it takes on qualities that, that Kirkus uh, likened it to crazy rich Asians for Ghana. Um, it's compelling. It's about a world that many of us know very little about. And it's something I think uh, for, for any reader on your list as well. Let's go back to uh, Gael. Uh, Gael, what would you say uh, that you'd recommend? Uh, so my next pick for a great holiday gift is Begin Again by Eddie Gloud. Uh, this is published by uh, Crown Random House. Um, Eddie Gloud looks at James Baldwin uh, for guidance. It looks to James Baldwin for guidance and inspiration as he struggles to make sense of this moment in history. And this book is in, in essence a history of 20th century racism seen through the work and life of James Baldwin. Um, and I think very importantly, this book also asks us to question our view of the kind of self-proclaimed American exceptionalism. Um, this is part history, biography, literary criticism, social commentary, and this book really packs a punch. And I think it's an important read for anyone trying to understand where we are today, how we got to where we are today. Um, I would say it's a great book for a history buff, for anybody interested in literary criticism, and of course, anybody who enjoys and loves James Baldwin. There have been, you know, early on in the pandemic and with the George, George Floyd killing, there were uh, so many books that you might characterize under the, the heading of like Race Matters or Black Lives Matter. And uh, it was so nice to see a flood of these books being sold, you know, uh, to people all over and of all different um, ethnicities. Um, 
trying to make I sense. I was really happy to see James Baldwin, I think, actually hit the New York Times bestseller list. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think yeah, you're right. Uh, and this has been such a tumultuous year. And there have been so many books out about, you know, about, um, about what's gone on in this year from a political sense. Um, and a book that I would recommend, if you don't want to read all of them, is a wonderful roundup of them called What, uh, what We Were Thinking, or What Were We Thinking? Uh, a Brief Intellectual History of the Trump Era. And this is by Carlos Lozada, who is a Pulitzer Prize winning book critic. And he basically sat down to read just about all the Trump books that he could possibly read. And he puts them into various sections. And it's a very compelling book. And it gives you a real, real overall picture of what we've just been through, which uh, for so many of us has been uh, so tumultuous. Uh, Christina Russell, uh, on the kids' side or young adult side or even the romance side, that's something that... I know that you have a real interest in too, or the kids' romance, which is a new thing as well. Um, well, I actually, I have a few books here. One of them is fantasy. I don't, hope you don't mind if I veer into that section. Um, but I think that um, Black Sun by Rebecca Roanhorse, who we had the pleasure of hosting for a virtual event earlier this year, um, it's out from Saga Press. And this, this would be my pick for fantasy readers, for, like for a gift for them this year. Um, it's been called a pre-Columbian Game of Thrones, and I think that's a very fair uh, description. It's epic, very epic in scale. It's, a, it's dense. It's got multiple POVs. Um, there's celestial prophecies and giant crows that people can ride and political intrigue and magic. And the writing is beautiful. It's in a very expansive well-crafted world and I think this is a big deal. I think I would gift this to fans of Game of Thrones, obviously. Um, the Fist Inn by N.K. Jemisin or Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. And um, another one um, in one of the sections I spent time in is Each Read by Emily Henry, which I know everyone's heard me talk about, so it's probably getting boring, but I'm going to do it again. Um, I love this book. It's It's got a really serious, like high on himself literary fiction writer and a sort of like lost heartbroken romance novelist going from enemies to competitors because they both got writer's block to lovers. Um, it's funny and heartfelt and sad um, and full of tension and it pokes fun at misogyny and publishing in a very uh, refreshing and smart way. And I love this book. So I would give this to fans of chiclet or romance or rom-coms. Um, people who like love stories and like to laugh. Thank you. Gael? Um, another pick I have is, I think, I think it's another debut fiction. Uh, it's Via Negativa by Daniel Hornsby, uh, published by Knopf. Um, so this one, I think this book really flew under the radar this year, unfortunately, like many have due to the pandemic. But this one is really a hidden gem that I really enjoyed. It tells the story of a retired priest with a lot on his mind who goes on a life-changing road trip and picks up a, um, an injured coyote on the way. Uh, he's questioning his choices in life, trying to, you know, looking back on his life, his regrets, and trying, you know, making an effort to find out how he got to where he is. Uh, what I really loved about this book, um, the writing is brilliant. I read this in like two days. And it's what I especially, it's funny, I don't know how to put it. It's funny in kind of a sad way and sad in kind of a funny way, which I think very few books do that very well. Um, it's heartfelt, it's quirky. Um, it's unlike anything I've read in a long time. And I would say it's for readers who like a little bit of a quirky off the beaten path novel. It's a great road trip in that genre kind of classic novel. I really recommend it. Wouldn't you agree, as, so, as someone uh, who loves book design, it's really a beautifully designed book. That jacket is so beautiful. Yeah, and it's the kind of book that fits actually in the palm of your hand as well. It and it it's reads a, a really fast read. I couldn't put it down. Christina Nasty. So I'm going to recommend, um, this is for readers of like Neil Gaiman's The Ocean at the End of the Lane, or fans of Madeline Miller's Circe, it's Piranesi by Susanna Clark, published by Bloomsbury. 
um, a very strange, unusual uh, book uh, that plays with structure, creates kind of like a hypnotic, dreamlike alternative reality. And when I started reading it, I wasn't sure if I liked it for the first 50 pages. I really wasn't even sure what was happening. Uh, but it's a very intriguing read. And of course, she's the author of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. Um, so this is for fantasy readers um, to get lost in mystical worlds and escape the complications of real life. Um, another book, uh, completely changing gears here, but maybe for the film lover in your life. Um, it's Cary Grant, and who doesn't love Cary Grant? Cary Grant, A Brilliant Disguise by Scott Eyman. Um, he's our own you know, film historian. Uh, he was a critic for the um, Palm Beach Post for many years. He's co-authored 15 books about Hollywood, and they're all really good. This one is really interesting, and kind of gives you a look, a very deep look at Cary Grant, um, who remains as popular as ever today. Well, we're coming, you know, I could, we could do this all day. I mean, this is what a bookseller does all day. We sit around and we just go around and talk about books. Just a couple that I want to mention, and maybe we'll just go around in these last few minutes and just mention some titles that I think are fun and that I think people, if they want to learn more about it, they can either check online at booksandbooks.com, look, uh, check out, call the store, come on into the stores, or go to your local indie store, or even go to bookshop.org if you want. But one that I really liked, an art book that I really loved, is called Young, Gifted, and Black, A New Generation of Artists. Um, and it's um, highlighting hundreds of works by black artists working predominantly in America today. Beautiful, oversized book. Another book that I loved, which is really for people who like books, as I do, in terms of books as object. And it's called A Look of the Book, Jackets, Covers, and Art at the Edges of Literature, published by Penn Speed Press. Um, another wonderful gift for the book lover in your, uh, on your list. And also the Oxford Illustrated History of the Book, which um, I think I was, I've been waiting for this for almost 40 years, for Oxford to do this kind of illustrated uh, anthology, which they often do in other subjects. Um, Christina's, one of you can jump in. What would you, what would you like to shout out as we end this, um, um, this podcast? I'll do like a little lightning round. Um, just say um, for YA fantasy lovers, I'd recommend Legendborn by Tracy Dion or Lobizona by Romina Garber. And for YA romance, I think our my pick of the year is A Cuban Girl's Guide to Tea and Tomorrow by Laura Namey, which is the Reese's pick of the month as well. Christina Nasti. So I think everyone should own and gift a copy of A Promised Land by President Barack Obama. And of course, Cast by Isabel Wilkerson, um, also available in Spanish. Um, it, a Promised Land is Una Tierra Prometida. Uh, if we're going to go into books in Spanish, I would also recommend um, a new collection of stories by Gabriel Garcia Marquez called Todos los Cuentos. And it's published by Vintage en Español. Um, and it's a great introduction, a very accessible way to get to know Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Um, and other books in Spanish that are hot right now, El Arquero by Paulo, Paulo Coelho and Línea de Fuego by Arturo Pérez Reverte. Great. Gael? Uh, I do want to mention American Utopia by David Byrne and Myra Kalman, published by Bloomsbury. I'm a big fan of David, uh, David Byrne. I think he's a visionary. I love talking heads. And he's partnered with his old friend, Myra Kalman, who creates beautiful illustrations and it blends texts from his Broadway show with her illustrations. It's a gorgeous, uplifting book, a uh, little slim art book. And we actually also have signed copies um, by both David Byrne and Myra Kalman. I also want to mention two books of essays. I've noticed this year that focusing is hard, so I found essays and short stories to be very uh, helpful. Uh, I want to mention Vesper Flights by Helen McDonald. She, nobody like, writes about nature like she does. 
these essays are maybe five, six pages. It, you can grab it, pick it up, put it down, but it's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. Also, uh, Wow, No Thank You by Samantha Irby, which is a collection of hilarious essays. And I would say it's one of the books that brought me out of my reading slump over the summer. And I'm going to go out just just spewing out some titles. Uh, those of you who hear this, um, just just look them up if you haven't heard of it before. But um, some books that I really enjoyed this this year, and I think would be for anyone on your list, is Rodham by Curtis Sittenfeld, uh, a novel, a, a, a reimagined Hillary um, novel, A Burning by Mega Mamjudar. Uh, love that book, a debut book. Accidentally, Wes Anderson, a fantastic, funny uh, account of real life uh, places that could be Wes Anderson sets. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that one as well. Um, there's also Hidden Valley Road, story of, um, of mental illness in a family, uh, incredibly told by Robert Kolker. I could go on and on and on, but I won't. Um, but I want to thank my guests on The Literary Life today, three people that I care so much about and who mean so much to this community and who are such remarkable booksellers, which, um, which is the highest praise I think I can give to somebody. And that's, that's uh, Gael Lalimer, that's Christina Russell and Christina Nasti. Thank you all for being on The Literary Life.